Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. Monday following the Masters. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. I'm joined by Luke Heaton. I'm joined by Henry Bienamine behind the glass, so to speak, virtually. We'll hear from him in just a little bit. But for the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube. Like our page on Facebook. For those of you that listen to the podcast later, we appreciate you. And hopefully you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast. Also, today on the show, we will do a segment called Unpack This, which is a a thought about sports and, and how it relates to faith and the Bible. And we send out a devotional Monday, Wednesday, Friday that you can subscribe to for free by going to our website, unpackingit.com. Wow. The Masters over the weekend. It was great to have it back in April. And we're going to unpack kind of all the different storylines. And, and, and during Unpack This, we'll actually talk about Hideki Matsuyama and the pressure that he felt and the pressure that he overcame in order to win the Masters. And, and look at even a couple of other uh, golfers and, and how they reacted to the pressure as well. So we'll have some fun with that. We'll also do uh, what we're convinced of. So we will let you know what we are convinced of in just a moment. We always love to hear what you are convinced of. And so you can leave those comments anywhere you're listening right now. Uh, let you know, let us know what you are convinced of today. I've also got a question of the day, kind of random, kind of fun. What does watching the Masters make you want to do? So if you're watching it over the weekend, and you're watching these guys hit incredible shots, sometimes hit it into the water. And maybe you're looking at the, the beautiful green grass. So does it make you want to go play? So do you, do, you, do you use the clicker and say, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go play. Do you say, ooh, I can't wait to go outside and work on my yard and attempt <laughs> an attempt to get your grass that green? Or does the Masters make you take a nap? And you love Sunday at the Masters in order to take a nice little nap. So leave those comments uh, as well wherever you're listening and and would love to to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Before we we hear what uh, Luke is convinced of and I share what I'm convinced of, uh, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Also today on the show, we will hear from this year's Unpacking It Bracket Challenge champion. That's right. We did the the, the pool and and, and people sent in their brackets. We have a winner. And part of the prize pack was being interviewed 
here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. And so at about 11.10 Eastern, we will welcome on the champ to talk about how he ended up picking Baylor. And we'll talk a little bit about the championship game. It's a week late uh, later. So we were with you on Monday before the championship. And then we saw Baylor absolutely dominate. And so we'll have to get into that in just a little bit as well. Uh, but first up, let's say good morning to Luke Heaton, who's in Texas. Luke, good morning to you. How are you doing, man? Good morning, sir. Bryce Johnson. It is a phenomenal Monday. We are. I'm coming off the high of March Madness and Masters. Yes. So I th- today is like just the dark days. The dark days of, oh my gosh, my two favorite sporting events. They're gone for a year. But I hey, it's time to rest up in order to be ready to report back for next year for more April and March action. But You love it. Yes. We, we uh, got the draft coming up. We got the NFL yep. draft. We got the NBA playoffs right around the corner. So uh, there's enough to get excited about. And usually I'm very sad after the Masters is over uh, because March Madness, even though it's my favorite sporting event, I still have NBA basketball. There's still there's still hoops going on. But when the Masters is over, yes, there's other major championships, but they just don't live up to the glory of the Masters. But it's a Ryder Cup year, baby. So Ooh, a little bonus. Since uh, it didn't happen last year, we have the Ryder Cup coming up, I think, in September. Um, I, I could be wrong, so maybe someone fact-checked me on that. But looking forward to that. But, yes, it's a great Monday. Lots uh, lots of great things to discuss. Happy to be here. Yeah, so you you joked and said, Sir Bryce Johnson or whatever you said. And, and I, I imagine that's a, a kind of a homage to uh, Sir Nick Faldo. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. How annoying is that? How, how annoying? Like, so I love Jim Nance, and I'm not, I'm not going to blame Jim for that. But just the idea that that he calls him Sir Nick Faldo multiple times throughout the tournament, I, I understand whatever it means. He's been knighted, or I, but but every time that we have to call him Sir Nick Faldo, like he's some kind of I, I don't know, he's above us in some way. The 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 all knowing golf <laughs> analyst. Come on, come on, really? Well, I've kind of I, I was thinking yesterday. I was like, do I like Nick Faldo's analysis anyway? And maybe I just get annoyed because they call him Sir Nick Faldo all the time. Yeah, am I, am I cert- off base here? He's certainly not all-knowing. Yeah, I struggle. <laughs> it's, it's this, it's this catch-22 of looking at it from an American perspective. Calling someone Sir Nick Faldo definitely have some, has annoyance to it. But what, the, what does everyone in the UK think? Like maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's normal. Maybe there's a lot of sirs walking around. And, uh, there's more people that have been yeah. knighted there than here, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, he certainly is uh, not error-free in his analysis. <laughs> I like his voice and, and the tone for the for the for for a tournament. I think it fits well. Uh but sometimes I don't even know what he's saying necessarily. It's oh, just like I, the yeah. sound of the the flow and the tempo of the day. Yeah, he's not sure yeah, uh, he's not sure what he's saying sometimes. <laughs> he just he just speaks to speak to fill airtime. I I think the the biggest takeaway <laughs> of of broadcasting blunders this week at the Masters was that the heavy breathing from the broadcasters it, <laughs> time and time again, exhausting. like, like exhausting literally it was, <sighs> I'm like, Hey, someone mute their mic. Are the producers asleep? Like poor Vern. <laughs> I felt like Vern was out there walking the course with the players. He was gassed. Like, I was just someone... happy to have Vern. Oh, I was happy to have Vern. Which, because Vern, I, I, he's no longer at March Madness, so we miss him there. But they bring him, they yeah. bring him out of retirement so, for the Masters. So he, he doesn't bring a lot ver- 
besides his name. So so we're all like Vern. His voice. All, his voice. His voice is great. The, so I'm sure everyone in the, in the broadcasting booth is saying, Vern, all we need you to do is say the player's name at the 16th hole. So so every every time they'd shoot, they'd cut it to the 16th hole. It was Vern saying, "And here's Tommy Fleetwood. This is Tony Finau." And that was it. Hey, that's hey, all I need. But glad to have a part of it. Mute his mic because he sounds gassed on the broadcast. It was brutal. Oh, uh, poor Uncle Vern. Gosh, that's tough. <laughs> that is tough. Well, uh, we'll we'll get into all the the different storylines with the Masters. And and before we do that, let's start with I'm convinced. And I'm going to go non-Masters for this because uh, some some big news here in Pantherland. As as you know, I'm a a Panthers fan. And so I'm convinced Sam Darnold is worth a flyer. And I actually am convinced I like the trade that the Panthers made. Come However, on. I love I love this take. I am trying to convince myself that he's actually going to be good. So there's a difference between liking the trade and liking the idea of Sam Darnold versus actually believing that he can be good. And so that's where I'm torn because I, I've seen different takes like from different numbers or analysis. And, you know, this idea that was he really that good at USC? So that's one thing. Maybe not. And then was he the problem with the Jets? Was it truly Adam Gase? Was it truly the fact that there weren't many weapons uh, around him? Uh, I'm convinced that I want to see him with the Panthers, with McCaffrey, with DJ Moore, with Robbie Anderson again, uh, because Anderson was with the Jets. So so I'm I'm convinced it's worth going for it. Trading a couple picks. I mean, you hate to give up draft capital, but but I don't think it was too much. The fact that the Panthers did not give up a first rounder, I think, was the key for me. And Sam Darnold's only 23. And so oftentimes we write off these guys way too early. And and sometimes you know quickly. You you know that, all right, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, these guys just they don't have what it takes to to get to the next level. Josh Rosen, I think some of those guys you 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 did know quickly. But because there is still that question with Sam Darnold, if you're the Panthers and you didn't have enough to get Matthew Stafford, you're out on Deshaun Watson. That's a whole separate story. But you you move on from him, and then you look across the league and you go, ah, do you want a, a flyer with with Jimmy Garoppolo? Nah. Plus he's got a big contract. So Darnold is cheap. He's young. You didn't have to give up a ton. Bring him in. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do with these weapons. Let's see what he can do with. Uh, the the coordinator Brady and and then you, you try it out for a year or two and then and then if it works great if not it's it's worth it's worth the effort it's it's worth bringing them in so I'm convinced uh, the Panthers made a great move I will also say this I, I'm convinced that when you bring in a guy that fails on another team or it doesn't work out doesn't click it's not as exciting as when you draft a quarterback on your favorite team and you watch that player develop and become the guy. Like I even would have to argue that as exciting as it was for Bucks fans to win with Tom Brady or even with the Broncos winning with Peyton Manning, that's not your guy. He's not your guy. Peyton Manning is a Colt. Tom Brady is a Patriot. Yeah. And and Sam Darnold, not that he was with the Jets that long, so maybe it's, a, it's probably not, maybe not the best comparison, but just part of me goes – yeah, but I kind of want my own guy. I don't want somebody else's leftovers in regards to 
to Sam Darnold. Oh, they're kind of a cast off. Do I want to cast off? I don't know. I, I here's what I'm convinced of. I would actually prefer finding the diamond in the rough. So my favorite Panther ever is Jake Delhomme. He was a diamond in the rough. The Dallas Cowboys, your your team, Luke, they found Tony Romo. The Seahawks, they found Russell Wilson. The Packers, even though I guess Brett Favre was a cast off from the uh, Falcons, so maybe that's the best case scenario. There you go. So that's that's all that around about. Maybe maybe Sam Darnold could be the next Brett Favre. How about that? All right, there you go. That's what I'm convinced of. Uh, what about you today, Luke? First, before I, before my what I'm convinced of, just a couple a little commentary on your takes. First, we got to start. We had to get a Jake Delhomme reference counter going for our yes. for the unpacking it live podcast because it is it is impressive your ability to drop Jake Delhomme's name. Hey, I love it. I love I love yeah. the, the commitment, the loyalty, the fandom. I love it. Uh, second, absolutely love your take on if you don't draft them, they're not your guy. That's why before Kevin Durant. I thought people who hated the Warriors uh, were were incorrect because mm. they drafted their guys. You drafted Gray, Draymond, Clay, Steph. I mean, you love a team that finds draft capital. You start hating a team when they start going out and buying players. That's why in like English Premier League soccer, you just go buy players. The richest team, buy players. And it's mm. easy. To, I mean, you hate opponents there. And then think of the most hated teams – in American sports, it's the teams that go out and just sign free agents and load up. But if you're a team that finds guys in the draft, ah, man, that's so rewarding. That's something to root for, exactly. So it I is. love that. I love that take. Um, yep. And then, yeah, I, I think I'm with you on Darnold. I think her- horrific situation with the Jets. He's young. Yeah, Henry's saying uh, 9.7 million dollar cap hit for 2021. So very cheap, like you said, young. And yeah, relatively speaking. Relative, relatively speaking, yes, of course. But you you put him in a good situation. We don't know necessarily what that's like. And I, I'm I'm still you can put a if he ends up just being a, a B B level quarterback, a B level quarterback can find great success in a good environment. So if the Panthers yes. continue using their cap space to make a great situation for a, a an average to good quarterback. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, no, it, yeah. it's always he reminds me of the the uh, Brad uh, Johnson, Trent Dilfer type of guy. Like I, he yeah. doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have the athleticism, athleticism or the big arm or anything that's going to wow you. But maybe at, at 23, he develops into a, a solid quarterback like you're talking about. So yeah, build the offensive line, give him some weapons, make a satisfactory defense. Hey, that's a team right there. Um, okay. So what I'm convinced of, we're going to bring it back to golf like I usually do. So I'm convinced that professional golf is is a better viewing experience with lower scores. So I think it's far more relatable if you see the best of the best. I was telling Henry this uh, before the show. When I get to watch the best of the best golfers in the world struggle and have lower scores, <laughs> that's an incredible viewing experience. I don't want to see in so many tournaments out here. That's why they're. That's why the, the USGA is thinking about rule changes. Do we should we roll back equipment? Should we make courses longer? Because players can go out in a lot of tournaments and the winning score is twenty five under, twenty Ooh. to twenty five under. I want to see around the ten under mark. And what we get with Augusta National Golf Club is incredibly sloped fairways and greens. 
These greens are brutal. So if the course plays firm and fast, like these players are struggling out there, which I want to I want to see relatable golf because when I go play golf, yeah, I have triple bogeys, I have double bogeys, I have bad shots. Like I want to see the I only same. have I wanna... birdies. I, I can't really relate, but That's fair, understandable, yeah. Uh but I want to see the best of the best actually struggle instead of hit fairway, throw it on the green, make birdie every time. So there was holes this week where like the fifth hole and the fifth and the seventh hole were brutal. So the fifth hole, you have a, a tough tee shot and then the green is almost impossible to put in the right spot. So players are making high numbers and they're actually struggling and it makes them consider what strategy should I use? What club? And it's so awesome to see wow these are the best players in the world and they're struggling like this is giving them a test it's it's very demanding because it makes them be very creative and strategic and i love it see yeah and and the problem with like sometimes the maybe the u.s open or especially the the open championship overseas is some of those get when the wind is so bad or it's like the the weather and then it becomes like all it is is bogeys and it's like who makes the least amount of mistakes that yeah. to me, I, I don't enjoy that as much. So the, yeah, I love that yesterday we saw, you know, we saw a few guys where you go three, four holes in a row. We saw birdies. And so yeah. even though they were struggling for a while and then John Rahm gets back into contention. Uh, so to me, that's what Augusta provides. It, it gives you a little bit of everything. And that's why we love it. That's one of the reasons why we love it. And so I, I'm with you. I, I like even five, six under as the champ. Like those are, those are great tournaments as well. 100%. I, I agree. Because yeah. So if when Xander, Xander Shoffley goes four birdies in a row and then triple bogey, that's incredible. incredible. Like, I, and there's other tournaments where a player goes four birdies in a row and they're like, oh, well, yeah, six guys did that today because the core, mm. everyone's shooting yeah. 64. Like I want 65, 66 to be an incredible score. I'm with you. Any, for me, like anywhere from like the six to 10 under range, I think that's a great final score because players are struggling. And if you make a few birdies in a row, you're back in contention. So yep. I think it makes for a way better viewing experience. And one other thing is I love when a tournament ends one shot, one shot win. And that's what yes. we got. We kind of back, backdoored into that, but uh, it was a one shot win versus somebody pulling away, winning by, by five or 10. And, and you know, who, the, the champion isn't in question on Sunday. That's always a bummer. And we, we felt that a little bit because Hideki Matsuyama was really pushing, pulling away uh, but then it got interesting toward, you know, right toward the end, which which kept the intrigue alive. Uh, maybe the last two holes, it, it wasn't the case, but but at least a little bit before that. And and before we jump in to unpack this, let me just say this: I'm also convinced that Will Zalatoris is my new favorite golfer. <laughs> I am all in on Zalatoris. Let's go. Let's go. I was pulling hard for him, man. What an incredible performance! Like all weekend long. To me, the way he played, the shots he he hit that like just it seemed like he'd be in a tough spot, and then he would just wow, he got himself out of it. And and I I loved his personality. I loved how he yeah. he carried himself. It, it was great. So uh, I love the the happy Gilmore caddy comparison. Yep. And then he's even got it written on his his clubs where he says, "Hi, Mister Gilmore, I'm your caddy." I, it's just, <laughs> I love it. Adam Sandler jumped in on the joke yeah. uh, on Twitter. All of it was great. So, so Will Z, I am in. You've got a fan in in me for sure. And I, I love that you bring up Zal Torres. One, he's a local guy around the DFW area. He went, he went to high school here, so a lot of people are he's going from, for him. 
But he went he, to Wake. So he's got the North Carolina that's connection. That's right. So, so, so you and me were. It's like the the the, the middle ground of our of yeah. our, uh, our fandom. Wow. So yeah. But what's incredible? His first time ever playing in the Masters. Every single year, veterans will say, "Yeah, I learned something new about Augusta every year that helps me." And his first time playing Augusta in a tournament. That I think that makes his tournament even more incredible. The fact that he finished solo second is incredible for any player at Augusta. Oh. But his first oh. time there, not knowing anything, going in blind, essentially, that is unbelievably remarkable. And he doesn't even have his tour card. He's on the <laughs> Corn Ferry Tour. How is that possible? How is someone this good not on the PGA Tour officially? It, it, it Mind-blowing. It's it's yeah. so great. And, I yeah, I just I thought th- just the way... His demeanor was the way that he answered questions after the tournament. He just yeah. he made for a very likable player. Yeah, um, yeah. So, he went along with the bits. The, yeah, like you said, the the Happy Gilmore bit, an Owen Wilson bit. Like yeah, people. No, he's he was going along with it. Yeah, that's pretty good too. And and so that that, that transitions into today's topic uh, in regards to unpack this, where we we take a a sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and and today's topic is. It's very personal to me. It's something that that I am personally wrestling with, even in the moment. Um, and and so I I don't have all the answers today. This is this is a discussion. This is an encouragement for all of us, starting with me. And it's this idea uh, about pressure and stress and being overwhelmed. And to me, when when you watch the tournament this weekend, you see this in in full scope. You, you see how players handle pressure, how some get caught up with the pressure. Um, and, and, and speaking of, of Zalatoris, that was the thing. He was playing w- without pressure, really. Uh, and, and, and now what's fascinating is now the pressure will be on him, like moving forward. So he was able to play this one tournament with no pressure because it was his first time. Nobody expected him to do anything. He could just go out with confidence, with, with ease, and just enjoy the, the tournament and and play. Well, now the pressure is going to be on him because now we have the expectation. Hey, man, you finished second in the Masters in your first time out there. You, you got to keep this going, right? And and over the years, wh- what have we seen with Jordan Spieth? The pressure got to him. The pressure of being the next great golfer got to him. Uh, we saw over the weekend Justin Thomas, who 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 was playing well, you know, early in the tournament. I thought maybe would compete on Sunday. Uh, totally, you know, kind of collapsed and, and, and not a good, not a good finish uh, on the weekend for, for Justin Thomas. And so we understand that there is pressure at Augusta. There's pressure for these golfers that, that are out there and every one of them handles it differently at different holes. And, and, and what's interesting as fans and even the, the, the analysts and the media trying to figure out, okay, did this guy struggle on hole number 12 or hole number nine because of the moment, because of the pressure that he was feeling, or did he just hit a bad shot where something was off. He just didn't, you know, his motion was wrong or he, he missed uh, kind of calculated what, what was needed on that hole, you know, miscalculated the wind or, or whatever it was. Sometimes that happens. That's, that's part of the deal. But oftentimes it, it does come down to how players respond to the pressure stress and and the the moment of potentially being overwhelmed by the moment. And so when we think about 
Hideki Matsuyama, who won the green jacket yesterday, and, and to, to be out there representing a country. Yeah. Think about the pressure that Man. he was feeling yesterday to, to not only, you know, you, you feel the pressure that, that you put on yourself. You want to be great. You want to win. You, you, you want to, you know, hit, hit every shot the, the way that it's supposed to, you're, you're supposed to. Well, then add in the pressure that when you have the lead, now everybody's coming to get you. Everybody's trying to knock you off. You've got the lead on Sunday. Can you hang on to that lead? And, and so you got that pressure. And then throw in the fact that you got a whole country behind you. They're all, they woke up at three in the morning to, uh, to, to watch them. Um, and, and, and so he feels all of this. And, and so the, the parallel for us today is all of us feel pressure in some way or, or another. And, and the burden of, you know, like for Matsuyama, the burden of being in first place. Like it's a real experience and, and it's awesome. You want to be in first place, but there's a burden that comes with it. And, and there was a burden that, that, that I imagine he felt with being the, 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 the guy that they were hoping was going to represent Japan and be the first guy to win a major and, and win the Masters and, and represent Japan. There's a burden to that. And, and so there was a headline on ESPN.com that says, the burden of being Hideki Matsuyama was lifted at the Masters. And I actually disagree with that headline because I don't think the burden was lifted. I think the pressure now is still on him Double because now down. he's a Masters champ, right? Now he's got to go out and, and win another one. It doesn't remove the pressure. And so for you and I today, and so, so Luke, as we, as we talk about this and, and, and bring this home, we all have pressure. There, there's pressure in life. And this is, we live in a, a broken world. Things aren't perfect. We talked about uh, the, the pursuit of perfection on last week's show with Gonzaga. Um, and, and this idea that, yeah, there's pressure at work. There's pressure at home. There's pressure to be a husband, to be a father, to, 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 to be a, a, a son. And, and there are responsibilities. There are, uh, they can become burdens. That, that they, they carry a weight in our lives. And, and so my challenge to us today or, or, or my reckon, I guess what I've realized, my realization is that we can't necessarily remove the pressure. It's going to be there. And so what do we do in response to the pressure? And, and as always, the answer to all of it is Jesus, right? So when we have questions, when we have concerns in life, the answer is is Jesus. And so I've been wrestling with this topic because I, I, I put pressure on myself. I feel pressure in, in life. And oftentimes when I am dealing with the negative consequences of pressure, I'm putting the weight on myself instead of allowing Jesus to do what he wants to do, which is walk with me, to carry the burdens, to, to carry my load for me. And, and he's there available to me, to you today. And, and oftentimes we try to carry the burden, we carry the pressure on our own, and it cripples us. It brings us down. It, 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 we, we hit the ball into the water, right, when that happens. And so I am in the process of reading a book right now called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I highly recommend it. Unbelievable book. Unbelievable You've read book. It. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's honestly, so I'm about uh, not even halfway through. Uh, and I can already say that it's one of the best books I've, I've read and, and one of the most important books for, for me and kind of where I'm at in, in my own uh, journey in life. And, and so I want to read a few things uh, that, that I think speak to this, this topic. 
And and so uh, let me first read the, the Bible verse uh, that we want to hone in on today. And, and that, that is in, in Matthew 11, 28 and 30. And, and, and if you've been around church, you, you've heard this verse before. Uh, but, but Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And, and so when we, when we actually follow Jesus and we trust Jesus, it's not that we're adding burdens to our life. We're not adding more pressure. Jesus is removing that because he wants to, to carry the yoke. And so the, the, the yoke, uh, two different explanations for it, which is pretty cool. One is the agricultural aspect to this where um, when, when two animals, uh, they're yoked together, so they're, they're carrying the burden together type of thing. Um, and so when, when Jesus takes the yoke, he's carrying the, the, the yoke, the, 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 the burden for us. And so we're connected to him, uh, in that way. And, and so, uh, let me, uh, let me just pause there for a moment, catch my breath, Luke, let me, let me have you jump in. And then I want to dive into, uh, this book a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I can't wait to talk about this book a little, a little more. I read it last summer and it, awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. So excited to jump back into that. But yeah, this idea of of pressure, man, it's well, one being a human. If you are a member of the human race, you feel pressure. Uh, that is just like if you're a golfer when you're out there on Sunday at Augusta, you feel yeah, pressure. That's right. It is it is inevitable feeling pressure, and it's how you deal with it. It's, it's become a cliche. It's how you deal with the pressure because it's going to be there. And the best golfers in the world are almost like robotic. Like what made tiger so great is he was, he was a robot. He, he, he had a short memory. He blocked everything out and he just focused on playing golf, which is so hard to do. Even when I play golf with buddies and we'll compete, we'll, Bet a Dr. Pepper on the line. That's uh, is the the high stakes I'm playing with <laughs> on the golf course. Um, but even that, if if it's a close match down the stretch, I start to feel pressure, and it's so easy to get in your head, get negative thoughts over a golf swing, which, it, I mean, you you cannot hit a good shot if you have negative thoughts. So, mm. how do you live a life of holiness and righteousness of all these negative thoughts and pressure, and it's almost like not wanting to mess up. And it, it, and we've talked about this a handful of times. It it brings back to why why do we have this pressure? Because, mm. like you said, the burden of following Christ is light. The yoke is easy. From an eternal perspective, I, there is no pressure. We've been saved and redeemed mm. from eternal death, eternal separation from God. Like there is nothing we have to earn. There is no pressure of us earning our way into a relationship with God. And that that sentence gets thrown around all the time in church and in ministries and in uh, accountability groups, but do we actually mean it? Do we actually believe that and live that out? Because we because the real pressure is not being in relationship with Christ. That's that right. is some serious pressure. Uh, and it's because you have the pressure of trying to fulfill an impossible task. 
mm. trying to be righteous enough to be in relationship with God. That is some pressure right there. Um, imagine being a golfer and you know this shot is darn near impossible. That is some pressure. And then the pressure of being a human and knowing I cannot be holy enough by myself, that is pressure. But Christ took away that pressure with his death and resurrection. Amen. Amen. So let's let's live in that. Like there there's no pressure to be righteous enough and and every day I have to I almost have to ask God why don't I appreciate that enough? Because that mm. is miraculous. It's marvelous that I've been redeemed. The pressure's taken away. Like yes, like I'm supposed to take up my cross daily and like suffering for Christ is inevitable and whatever that looks like. But that compared to not being in a relationship with God, it's it's incomparable. So, mm. yeah, cool. there there, there is no pressure. It's just hard. So, I love that 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 Jesus has taken the pressure for us to have to try to yeah live that that perfect life and try to earn our way uh, to heaven, earn earn salvation. So so he's removed that pressure. Now we continue to live in this world with ultimately worldly pressures, right? That, that in this fallen world, in this broken world, that they're going to be there. There's pressure to make money. There's pressure to uh, to, to be the husband that, that we want to be and the father that we want to be. And going back again to your point, we can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it uh, by by just enough, enough willpower in our own strength because it's never going to happen. We need Jesus' strength and, and help. And so that's why we have to trust him to carry to carry the burden for us, and so we we yield to him. And and so let me read this from the book. Uh, th- this is a, a, a quote from a guy named Frederick Dale Bruner, who wrote uh, this this aspect of the of the book. Here it says, uh, "But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities." Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers us equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, his yoke, will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we have been living. And and so then uh, later on in the book, it says, life is hard, full stop, no comma, no but, no end note. So so it's just this 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 acceptance that life is hard and we sometimes we try to escape that that life is hard or we try to live in denial that life is hard no 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 it, it it's hard but Jesus is offering us a different way a, a different way to approach the pressure the, the different way to approach the burdens and the responsibilities and and so uh let me read this uh he offers Jesus he offers his apprentices us disciples, followers of Jesus, a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity with ease at his side, like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. I love that. I love that because I think oftentimes I want this easy life or I want things, man, I just wish life was easier. And it's like I'm chasing after something that's not going to happen. Life is hard, but it's it, the easy yoke is Jesus with me side by side, 
not trying to do life on my own, not my own strength. It's with him. It's him carrying the burden, him, him carrying the load, but I have to slow down. I have to be patient. I have to be, be with him each day, not running ahead of him, not trying to do things that, that ultimately don't matter. Um, and, and, and trusting him each step of the way. So that's the encouragement today. We, uh, we saw the difference between, you know, golfers and how they handle pressure out on the course and, and the ones that, uh, do well and end up end up winning, but but the the pressure doesn't go away. Zalatoris now the pressure is on is on him to keep it going. Hideki Matsuyama the, the pressure continues, but how will they they respond? And from a golf perspective, you know they got to rely on their caddy, they got to the, rely on their 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 mental coach and and that, those types of things. Um, and for us, we, we've got a caddy that that walks with us, that wants to carry the burden, carry the load. And, and, and what a, a freeing understanding that is if we can grasp it. And like I said at the beginning of Unpack This, I am wrestling with this. I am trying to understand what it looks like for, for, for Jesus to, to really shoulder the weight, carry the load each day uh, for me so that I don't let the pressures of life bring me down and, and ultimately you know, hit, hit the ball in the, in the water. <laughs> but yeah. like Matsuyama, he did hit it in, in the water, and then he, he bounced back on the next hole. And, and finish strong. And so that's the uh, that's the encouragement for us today. Any final words, Luke? Yeah, just what an encouraging little excerpt from that book. An easy yoke. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. I mean, that mm. a hard life does not mean you don't have an easy yoke. Like the, a, a, yeah, easy yoke doesn't mean easy life. Like following Christ is hard. But the yeah. yoke is easy. The yoke is easy because yeah. we've been rescued from death and we have true life in that. Oh man, that's just, I'm going to, that's something to memorize right there. I forgot about that line in the book. That book is incredible. I recommend everyone to read it. I become, now I didn't, it, it encourages some aspects of minimalism and mm-hmm. just, it just almost like untethering everything in your life. Like, okay, what matters? What doesn't matter? And yeah, like perspective-wise, right. material things-wise, it's an incredibly practical and convicting book mm. that definitely encourages you to make some changes. And I, I just love the book. So it, it, it encouraged me to make some changes in my life. And yeah, it's just real practical, real easy read, very convicting, full of truth. Highly recommend everyone to get their hands on it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Let, let me read in Matthew again where it says, uh, this is the Amplified Version, where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. So uh, hopefully that's freeing for for people today. Um, And and to Luke's point earlier, the the, the pressure uh, to to try to to earn salvation, that's, that's been removed. Uh, because of what Jesus did did on the cross and and, and resurrecting, and so uh, we praise God for that today. And it's so fun to uh, take a look at the Masters related to the Bible, uh, related to our own lives. And so we'll send out a devotional uh, later today uh, that you can uh, make sure you subscribe to on unpackingit.com. All right, so we we want to talk Masters a little bit more as well. Uh, and so a couple of the other guys we need to to talk about in in, in a little bit. You know, we got. You got to talk about Jordan Spieth. You got to talk about Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, uh, some surprises from the weekend. But I do want to go back a little bit 
and 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 go back to last Monday night uh, before we we do Masters, Luke. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the national championship game and the fact that Baylor got it done. And from the the tip until the very end, they absolutely dominated. They were more athletic. They were stronger. They were better. They were better rebounders. They grabbed every loose ball. They hit every shot. Did they miss the entire night? I I, I was still waiting for Baylor to miss. Yeah, I don't um, think, I don't think that shot. happened. <laughs> and so it was unbelievable. They yeah. they didn't force the three. They worked the three into their game. And so they were able to, to get to the rim. Easy baskets. Then kick it out. Hit down. Knock down threes. And so right now, uh, we have a, a special uh, guest on our show because he won the Unpacking It Bracket Challenge. It is Brian in Philly with the win. Brian, congratulations on winning the Bracket Challenge. And part of your prize was being interviewed right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. How are you, man? How you doing? Hey, dreams come true. That's all I can say. <laughs> this is what you've dreamed of. That's right. Well, all right. So we got to go go back to your your bracket strategy. Why did you pick Baylor? And and there were a few other people in the pool that uh, that picked Baylor as well. But you uh, you you surpassed them. So so what was your trick? Uh, for me, I, I felt Baylor from the the, the jump uh, start of the year. I know they went through a bunch of COVID uh, related layoffs and, and things, but um, they're just, I mean, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I think they're, they're just, they were so athletic, uh, great shooting team. And like you said, they, they, they picked their places to shoot and, and times to shoot so well that, you know, they just always find the open man, but, uh, Gonzaga, I, I don't know. I, I just had a feeling, uh, at the start that it's so difficult to go undefeated, uh, in any sport, but mm. especially college basketball playing, you know, 30, 40 games. It's, it's just, it's almost impossible. Um, yeah. I really well, well yeah. And, and part of me wanted to see Gonzaga do it. Like I, people listening to the show, I was all in on Gonzaga and I wanted them to, to go undefeated. But once the game was over and, and, and having experienced Baylor's dominance and then reflecting on their unbelievable story, where they, I mean, that program was done. I mean, they were absolutely done. Now, uh, it took a couple decades to get to this point, but to actually win a championship after all of that, uh, and even after the last couple of years where they've gotten decent seeds, but then they've gone down early, for them to get the win uh, was very impressive. So I was actually happy to, to see them win. So, uh, so for you, Brian, from a rooting standpoint, you know, this idea of wanting Gonzaga to go undefeated, but then finding yourself, you know, obviously, you wanted to win the bracket, but but rooting for the Baylor story. What what did you think of that? Right, and I, I I was kind of pulling, uh, you know, outside of the bracket. I was pulling for Gonzaga. I, I love their story. I love Mark Few. I think he's a top coach in the country, um, if not the top coach. Mm. Um, and Baylor, you, you know, like you said, it's it's kind of a comeback story. Um, I think some of the stories that I've read about some of their players as well, uh, having a, a pretty tough uh, go of it um, in life leading up to this, but it really, it really was just a great, a great thing to see them uh, win it all. I kind of feel for them because it doesn't feel like a normal championship this year, um, which, which kind of stinks for them, but 
Um, maybe that's just me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, th- yeah, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Cause uh, Luke, do you feel that that way? Like uh, to me, the, the Lakers winning in the bubble was very interesting too. Like, I still think the Lakers were the best team in the NBA, but the bubble was weird. Like that was a weird experience. I didn't find the NCAA tournament to be as weird as the NBA bubble. And I'm not willing to say either one of those teams deserves an asterisk because the Baylor proved that they were the best team. Cause to your point, Brian, from the very beginning of the season, it was them and Gonzaga. It was one of those two teams. They were, they were very, you know, uh, on paper, both expected to have awesome seasons. And then we got to see them matched up and Baylor without a doubt proved, Hey, we're the best team in the country. So I'm fine with them. You know, I don't have to put an asterisk on it. What, where do you come out on that Luke? Well, uh, yeah, no asterisks at all like it's a well-earned championship for sure but as a player you want the fans there obviously like definitely like i I always like to have the fans there to the celebration of the buzzer going off people are going crazy like of course you miss out on that but i don't think lack of fans the the style of the tournament takes away from the championship because every team had the same thing yes Um, i just think it takes away from it takes away from the feeling of glory that teams have, the players have felt in past years. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Because Brian, what what was your kind of thought on that as far as why you felt it was different for for Baylor? Um, it, I, I think it, it was a little bit no, more normal to uh, to me anyway than the Lakers, but I think it's also because we experienced the bubble with the Lakers. So good point. It felt a little more, a little more regular. Uh, but and, it, and the time of know. year. What's that? Well, it was like the Lakers won in like August or I don't know. Was it? I guess it was August when they finally won. Whereas we just saw the championship like normal. It was the normal time of the year, which was nice. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and the tournament games are, are, you know, normally people are not going to those games that, uh, you know, you're not traveling around the country going to those games. So it kind of, you're always watching on TV. So it kind of felt a little uh, normal. Yep. Yep. No, which, which was nice. Um, so, all right. So Brian won the, the bracket challenge. We had, let's see, 53 bracket entries. So, so one out of 53. So that's, that's pretty strong. Uh, and so Brian, your, your final four was Baylor, Gonzaga, Florida state and Illinois, which is just, you know, interesting. Cause it seems like very few people had, three correct final fours, let alone four correct final fours. So you were able to win with just two correct, uh, which is impressive. So uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people actually selected Baylor um, to, to, to win it. So um, no, I'm sorry, four, only four people, only four people had Baylor winning at all. So you were one of them and, and you got the, you got the win and that's pretty sweet. So congrats. Yeah, appreciate it, Bryce. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, thanks for calling in today and, and glad to have you on the show. And and before we let you go, knowing that you're up in Philly, the Eagles, of course, have been uh, a team on everybody's radar. And so as a as an Eagles fan, what's your take on, on kind of the, the current state of the Philadelphia Eagles? It's uh, a great question. You know, during the Carson Wentz thing, I think uh, that, whole, that whole saga um, – I think a lot of fans got pretty upset with the Eagles 
but I feel a kind of resurgence. Um, the draft, you know, the trades they've made, they've picked up a couple of players. They got the linebacker the other day from the Vikings. I think a huge hole uh, that they were able to fill. And, you know, people are excited for, for what's to come. They have draft picks in the future. Um, uh, of course, we want to win now. We want things to happen immediately. That's right. Um, but I, I really think that the team is is heading in a direction and whereas they kind of felt like they had no idea what direction they were going in uh, a month ago. And now it feels like they do know and they do have a plan. Um, whether Jalen Hurts is the answer, I don't know. Uh, but at least they're they're moving in a direction. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good take. And yeah, there it's hard. It's hard to go through the rebuild, especially when you think of a Super Bowl it was just a few years ago how quick, how quickly the Eagles have uh, gone a different direction. So you you always hope that you can just rebuild and reload and, and keep the, the run as long as possible, but at least you guys got the Super Bowl, So that's the key. So you can, you can hang on to that a little bit longer, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, well, man, well, thanks for, uh, for all your support. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, at the unpacked lunch on Wednesdays. So Brian is a part of that. And, and so, uh, we encourage everybody, if, you, if you're interested in joining us on a Wednesday, basically it's a, a virtual lunch. We talk sports, faith, and life, sports fans around the country. Uh, and so it's always a lot of fun. And so you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com if you want to join us and, and be a part of that. But, Brian, have an awesome week, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome, Bryce. Thank you. All and right. uh, go Cats. There you go. He's a Villanova fan as well. So, uh, so glad, glad to have Brian on and uh, celebrate his his bracket win. So for those of you uh, that missed out on the bracket challenge this year, be sure to join us uh, for that next year. Keep an eye out for that. Um, we also did a Sweet 16 challenge, and Paul won that by picking Baylor. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. All right, so we're running out of time here on the show, but I did want to get into the Masters uh, a little bit more. So, Luke, let, let's bring you, you back on here. And, and so the, I think a couple of the storylines for me, one, the Masters being back in April was awesome. I, I had a tough time getting into the November uh, Masters. That just wasn't, wasn't great to me. And, and the fact yeah. that Dustin Johnson won, who, again, was a worthy winner. Like, we know how great Dustin Johnson is. And so yeah. I don't want to put an asterisk next to his name, but I, it did hit me yesterday. The poor guy has only been a Masters champ for a few months, and he's already had to off the jacket to somebody else yeah. that doesn't seem right i hate that for him um and and on the flip side tiger was the master's champ for so much longer <laughs> yeah. the, the epic matt you know what, what year was that uh, the 20, years now 20, it's all, 2019 2019 2019 when tiger won he got to yeah. be longer champion same in march madness because there was no champion last year so virginia got to be the champion for long, yeah. the reigning champ for longer, which both of those are very worthy champions. I was happy about both those yeah. stories yep. extending longer. But poor Dustin Johnson. And then he comes out this past weekend, did not play very well. That was rough. No. That was a not a not a great follow up performance for him. Yeah, um, Kevin Kisner, a tour player, had a had a very excellent tweet. He said something along the lines of, "I'm paraphrasing." he feels bad for people whose first masters was in November mm. and they're out here this April thinking what on earth is going on? Because yes, Dustin Johnson, rightful winner. He can't control that. It's in November. The conditions are different, but it was soft greens. Players could throw darts, could attack pins. 
and it played nothing like it did this April, where it's firm and fast, and you have to play a lot of defensive golf. So, I mean, Dustin Johnson went out and dominated, set the record for highest score, but maybe not his win deserves an asterisk, but maybe the highest score record does because it wasn't normal April Masters. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, props to him. It doesn't even make the cut and then has to come back and put the jacket on. I'm sure he wanted to just head home, get out of there, but he had to stay oh, and just, uh, put the jacket That's- on. That's so tough because you like you love being in that situation because that means you're you're a champ. Yeah. But when you put the, when you just played poorly it's or embarrassing it, a little bit. Oh, it's tough. Or when you like just lost a close one. I don't know how often that's happened. Well, but. well when so in 2016, oh, it's one of the most brutal photos ever. Oh, taken. Speed. 2016 falls. He was up five shots to six holes left. Yeah. And Danny Willett, his first ever PJ Tour oh. win. Oh, it's just sickening to think about. Oh. Uh, nothing against <laughs> Danny awful. Willett, but just, yeah. So, so Spieth, has to, Spieth has to put the jacket on Danny Willett oh. in the yeah, cabin. So there's one. a picture that's of Spieth just like death staring at the camera. Oh, just brutal. So brutal. Yeah, you don't wish that on anyone. That's a, that's a tricky one. Speaking of Spieth, I-, I thought he played great. I thought he was right there, you know, in contention. And, and Matsuyama just went out and won the tournament. But, but Spieth, I, I don't, you know, I don't. Consider him losing the tournament. I thought he hit him and Zalatoris. Um, I thought they played like really well to where I didn't think that they lost it. Whereas Shoffley, he kind of lost it at the end. I mean, I know he was going for it and he was trying to, you know, yeah. he, he had to make a run and it just didn't work out. And listening to him after the round, um, back to kind of the point earlier about the pressure, he it wasn't that he he got caught up in the moment. He was just trying something. It just didn't work out. Him and his caddy just both knew, ah, we just missed that one. Yeah, um, and what's interesting, he actually, he said he's been taking advice from veterans who always say, so Bones, the Phil Mickelson's old caddy, said the, the ball always flies farther on 16. So he hmm. went a club less than what he normally would do, and it just ended up just short. Um, yeah. yeah, Spieth played great. I, it's Spieth's so good for golf. He talks to his ball. He's animated. I love pl- player caddy conversations. The worst, thing, the worst thing a broadcast can do is overtalk because what's the Masters app? Oh, I just said something. The Masters app is the best app ever created. It blows Ooh. the March Madness app out of the water. I should have done this for I'm convinced because you have no, there's no commercials. You click on the coverage, like the featured group, the broadcast, holes 15 and 16. You don't have to watch an ad like the horrific ESPN app. It's so bad. I, I want to watch a 10-second highlight from a Mavericks game. Let me watch a 30-second ad. So bad. March Madness, I have to watch ads. But the Masters app is great. And on the featured groups, you get to hear players and caddies talk, which is the best part of the broadcast. Oh, that's you sweet. get to watch, hear the strategy. So I, love I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's the featured group. There's holes 4, 5, and 6. There's uh, holes 15, 16, Amen Corner, and the broadcast. The Masters app is is unbelievably incredible um so very very satisfied there i want to hype up hideki matsuyama because Mm. no one saw him coming he hasn't had a top 10 in a major since 2017 so the thing with him is people thought he just didn't putt putt well enough to get it done because he's an incredible ball striker his iron play his approach shots are so good he just hasn't had consistent putting to get it done and like you said a whole the pressure of an entire nation was rooting for him. Max Homa, tour player, tweeted, "I get nervous playing for my family 
I can't imagine what Matsuyama was thinking playing for an entire nation. It was cool getting the Japanese broadcast in there, but yes, I, am I so, love the Japanese yeah. broadcast. Yeah, so and this cool. is across sports too. Like I love listening to the local broadcast. Like during oh, a national man. game, like you know, going to the local broadcast for one of the big calls, I think is great. Yeah, and then especially yeah. like here in for the Panthers, we have a, a Spanish broadcast that that does really well uh, in regards to excitement and, and people. They've they've kind of developed a little following uh so anyway so i love that with the japanese that was that was really cool and it's just i always love to acknowledge how impressive it is to be in a country where you're not speaking your your native language because yes he's he's been in america for years Uh, he won he was the low amateur 10 years ago at the masters but to be interviewed and to be a national tv to be in the spotlight like, imagine the discomfort of being in another country and ordering at a restaurant. Now, imagine like, like that, like yeah. that's, that causes some discomfort. And then to be interviewed on the national stage and have to, to if you don't have a translator, to be able to muster up some of, of the language. Like, Dirk talked about that. His, his, the first part of his career, he was so insecure about not knowing English. For Matsuyama, like, that is uncomfortable to have yeah. to use a translator to not, like... I was just like, man, his friends that are at the course with him, let us let him walk with his friends. Like he like he's in it's uncomfortable. So I always like to acknowledge that. Very, very impressive to be on national television, not in your native language. And and yeah, like I was saying earlier, just to win on Sunday, like to have the lead and then hang on and, and get it done. Yeah. And you know, you compare it to Justin Rose, who who jumped out early in the tournament and and kind of you know let it slip away. Uh, unfortunately. And then, you know, for Spieth, I, I guess I was saying he didn't lose the tournament. I, I guess he did have that, that big bogey on, on nine on Thursday, but that was kind of early on. Yeah. I, I thought he put together, yeah, just a, a great, you know, kind of comeback and just a very solid performance. And the follow-up, because there was some, you know, pressure on him and attention on him for winning last yeah. weekend um, to then come in and, and do well. And really, of the big-name guys, I mean, you think about, you know, Rory did not oh. play well. Kepka yeah. coming off an injury did not play well. We mentioned Johnson, surgery, Sergio. Of course, he got his Masters win and forget about it after that. Uh, <laughs> and, well, I haven't even heard about him lately. And then Jason Day. I mean, goodness, we haven't heard much about him in a while. So all those yeah. guys missed the cut. And then everybody's favorite, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, you know, he had a terrible weekend. He showed like glimpses at one point where he, yeah. he like kind of made a comeback, and then he it faded. Um, and then. Everybody's uh, favorite uh, winner, Reed, uh, Patrick Reed. Oh, oh gosh. He Eighth made place. quite a comeback, too. He, ju- he jumped in the top 10. Yeah. And, and then my boy, uh, Webb Simpson, man, he, he played well, but uh, still finished 12th. So I also like Stuart Sink. He finished 12th as well. Yeah, um, that was cool. And then uh, we'll talk about Finau in a moment. Um, so anyway, though, I will say this. As much as I liked uh, Zalatoris, I also came around on Shoffley. I like Xander Shoffley. I'm going to start yeah, rooting for him a little bit easy, more as well. Easy to root for him. I think. Very likable. Yeah, I hope it doesn't turn into a female type where he just can't get it done because he got his That's what he is right in now. 2017. And he, 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 I think, has five wins. Like he, he, he began his career on fire. And every other player on tour always talks about how good he is. So, yeah, easy player to root for. Yeah. So anyway, those are my thoughts on the weekend. Uh, oh, the one other thing, just seeing fans back at Augusta was awesome. And in reading a little bit about it, yeah. just the reminder that at the Masters, there, there are no phones. 
there are no cell phones. And as much as everybody would love to, you know, take the photos and, and, you know, Twitter live and do all that kind of stuff, Facebook live and, Hey, I'm at the masters. How great is it that the patrons at the masters, no phones, no phones. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And, And also apparently Will Zalatoris did not, he did not have his phone all week. So he, he, he went dark for the week. Wow. He was able to focus on golf. And, and ha- how cool is that? We, we can barely go five seconds without our phone. Um, yeah. Another thing that I've been reading about in this wonderful book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, but um, just our addiction to the phones as well. So uh, anyway, I just I appreciate that the, that the Masters has stuck with that policy. Good for them. And it's good for the fans and, and uh, patrons as well because you're able to enjoy the moment. You yeah. soak in the moment. You actually look up. Instead of looking at your silly phone, you're looking up and you're hearing the birds chirp. You're, you're, you're seeing the green grass. And so my, my question uh, that reminds me at the beginning of the show, I asked, what does watching the masters make you want to do for me? It makes me want to work on my lawn. I, I don't want to get out and play <laughs> golf. I watch and go, gosh, I can't hit these shots. I stink. I, I can't do it. Oh, I want to go work on my lawn. I want a green grass. <laughs> I want my lawn to look like Augusta. That's what I want. I want some nice flowers out there. I want the, 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 the ponds that are just, I don't even know what they are. They're like blue. They're not even like, I guess they're clear, but they're just a, they're, they're otherworldly is, is what they are. They don't even make yeah. sense. It's not real water, uh, but it's beautiful. I want all of that. So that's what it makes me do. I, I imagine the Masters makes you want to go play golf. Yeah, well, when the Masters is over. And watching the Masters makes me want to watch more Masters. Um but as soon as the tournament's over, oh, I want to get out there and play so badly. So I think I'm playing Thursday, which is huge. There you go. I think it's it's probably been a couple of years since I've uh, I've played. So maybe a little putt putt made on putt putt. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm I'm one of those guys that like loves watching golf but doesn't necessarily like playing it. So probably one wow. of the rare ones. All right, so we are in overtime right now here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. But for those of you that have stuck with us for the hour, for those of Free you that content. Have overtime baby. Jumped jumped in right now we've got a special treat for you we are making a a kind of a a debut we're bringing it back we call it tap drill we're going to tap around a couple topics to end the show a couple random topics a couple fun things and we are bringing on henry bienamine he is back on with us we had him a couple uh a couple weeks ago and luke was uh at his honeymoon but henry is back henry how are you man What's going on, boys? How you doing? Doing great. Appreciate all your help uh, behind the scenes, and and glad to have you kind of lead us on this uh, this kind of new segment that we're going to wrap up the show with called Tap Drill. So you take it away. You ask the questions. Luke and I will respond. All right, let's hit it. You guys were talking about uh, golf, uh, about uh, the crowd not having their phones. One guy, and Bryce, you, you touched on it a little bit. One guy who did have his phone is your boy Tony Finau. He got a FaceTime call from none other than Super Bowl champion Tom Brady himself during oh, Brady. a Masters raid delay. So there they were talking, and he said he said down he they didn't say whether or not that uh he gave him a pep talk or anything like that. But my question to you guys is that who's the one person that you want FaceTiming you during a rain delay on the golf course? <laughs> oh, that's a great Luke, question. Luke, you can jump in first. Oh, well, if it, if I want a golfer, it'd be Spieth. But if any other person, 
Uh, I'll throw in, toss in my wife. Yeah, I need a FaceTime from the wife. That'd be great. Absolutely. But, oh, an athlete, Luke. Come on. Yeah, okay. newly <laughs> married, man. Hey, I'm a newlywed. I'm a newlywed. I'm, I'm for sure saying my wife. Come on now. Um, but Get out of here with that. With hands who's, down. Who's a famous athlete that you want yeah. calling? If you're in Tony Finau's situation, who's yeah. popping up on the screen that you want? Yeah. As an aside, weird connection, Tom Brady calling Finau. Not sure what's going on there. Uh, but for Very me, random. absolutely the big German, Dirk Diggler, Dirk Nowitzki, my sports hero. Oh, the hero of Dallas. I need him giving me a, fa- a FaceTime as I enter in Sunday at Augusta. So I'll, I'll go Peyton Manning then. Because uh, I think he he could give you a nice little pep talk, but he could also maybe lighten the mood. He's funny. A couple couple nice jokes. Uh, that'd be fun to catch up catch up with Peyton Manning in the middle of a rain delay. That's what I that's where I would go. All right, Henry, what's next? All right, boys, let's go into the world of basketball, so to speak. Um, the New Minnesota Timberwolves have a new owner, and it's a random. <laughs> and it's such a random guy. Alex Rodriguez, former Major League Baseball player, has decided <laughs> he couldn't buy the New York Mets. Thankfully, he winds up buying both the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. So what do you guys think about him not being able to own a baseball team, but winds up owning a basketball team? Well, a couple things. So one, so random, so weird. Uh Baseball, basketball, no connection really to Minnesota. It's interesting. But on another note, they need a new owner because the Timberwolves have, have been a wasteland in, in the NBA since Kevin Garnett, Garnett and Stephon Marbury had a little run there for a while. Uh, so they, they need some kind of you know a fresh perspective, a new owner, new blood, all that kind of thing. But is Alex Rodriguez going to be flying? Like, is he going to live there? Is he going to go to the games? Like your boy Mark Cuban goes to the games? Like my boy Mike, Michael Jordan here at the Hornets? I, I can't imagine that he's he's flying up to Minnesota in the middle of November or December to watch the the, the Timberwolves and that ragtag group up there. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what kind of impact he'll, he'll ultimately be able to have. It's so, so odd. I don't understand. Uh, but it reminds me of uh, Bob Sturm out of Dallas tweeted, uh, so the 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 Timberwolves valuation 2010 265 million they're worth 2021 1.4 billion, and Sturm's tweet was why do answers why do owners believe they are untouchable in every regard, and that's why the Timberwolves have their valuation their their value has grown that much and they've been atrocious for so long. So, yeah. Yep, it's interesting. And doesn't ahead, Alex Rodriguez still have to work on his relationship with J Lo? Didn't he? Didn't he just almost get left at the altar recently? Ooh, yeah. Cert- certainly, yeah. Certainly, some, uh, yeah, some uh, issues going on relationally. <laughs> I haven't kept right. up with their relationship too much. I can't offer much insight. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, this is something was that was near and dear to Bryce's heart. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and he's in his. He's in the middle of his stint as Jeopardy host. Now, he's also in a little bit of a quandary with the with the Green Bay Packers. Is this Jeopardy stint kind of kind of a bad look do you think? Just take the job. Take over. He's done. He's done as a quarterback. He found his next gig. Oh. Enough of the shenanigans. Enough of the <laughs> back and forth with the Packers. Do they want him? Do they not want him? How much longer do they want him? I'm tired of it all. Just go host Jeopardy, baby. He's doing awesome. I watched, I've only watched one episode so far, but I've got it DVR'd uh, and, and queued up. I'll watch the rest of them. 
Uh, I, I enjoy him. I think he's done a great job. I think, I think he's got the right kind of uh, personality, demeanor. His little, he, he had little quick, uh, quick jabs and, and funny one-liners. Uh, I, th- I thought he's done, done a pretty nice job. I just, I struggle. So I'm a huge Jeopardy fan. Alex Trebek is just, I don't know how he can be replaced. He is such an icon. Um, but I will agree. I think, I think Rogers did a fairly nice job with his demeanor because you don't want a super uh, animated person hosting Jeopardy. That's just not what the show's going for. Alex Trebek was very calm, cool, and collected. So uh, it was fun to see. Here's my take on Alex Trebek. It is absolutely incredible the run that he had to have that longevity yeah. and the simplicity of that job. Like watching Aaron Rodgers made me realize that that Alex Trebek like figured out the like how to fit into such a simple game and yeah. not get in the way. And so to to not get in the way to have such a small role yet to have such a big impact and so and, play, and be so important yes. to the success of the show with such little opportunity to actually be the difference in the show is remarkable. Like I I, I I don't even know how to fully explain it, but but that's that's the 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 genius aspect of it, I guess. Yeah, because pe- the players love him. He is beloved for how relatively little he does compared to other like show hosts. Yeah. People, the contestants loved him. So, just the quick little little one liners, the quick questions yeah. to the contestants, yeah. and and the the aura that he actually knew all the answers. And his we thought he knew his, all the answers. His pronunciation of words is second to none. Unbelievable. True. That's a good point. All right, Henry, let's do one more. Then we got to wrap up. All right, boys. Something near and dear to my heart this weekend. They actually made it a two night event. Was WrestleMania? WrestleMania <laughs> was Saturday. And Sunday. So, boys, my final question. Who's your favorite wrestler? Gosh. So, I haven't been into wrestling uh, probably when I was in middle school. Like, that was probably the last time. that, And that was kind of the height of it, too. That was the the NWO and and all that kind of thing. So, I was a a decent fan at that time. Used to play the video game and, and that kind of thing. But I am out on, on wrestling. So I, I haven't kept up with it. I'm, I'm kind of, as, as I appreciate you like it, Henry. One of my good friends, Ron, loves it as well. But I'm out. I can't get into it. It's, it's too much shenanigans for me. But I like <laughs> The Rock. I like The Rock at now. Like, I, will, I watch almost all of his movies. So I was watching Walking Tall the other day. Oh, my goodness. The Rock is the man. So uh, anyway, Luke, are you into wrestling? What's your take on that? Well, all my buddies on their old PSPs, their uh, game device, would play WWE, and I, I never got huge into it. I had some wrestling action figures, so that was my claim to fame there. But who's the my favorite guy? Is the guy that comes from behind and does the TKO? Who like jump up and he'll? Uh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's become like a meme legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. you're talking about Randy Orton with the that's RKO. right, Randy Orton, R- the RKO. Yeah, Randy Orton, yeah, the RKO. I'm a big Randy Orton guy. I think he's a legend. As a, matter, as a matter of fact, Bryce, The Rock actually has a TV show now where he's running for president. That, that yeah. one's Young Rock, right? Yeah. Okay. Very I've got it down the DVR. I haven't watched it yet. So we'll, we'll see if I uh, get around to it. But, Henry, appreciate it. The debut of Tap Drill, that was fun. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep making that hopefully a part of our show. Uh, so thanks to Henry. Thanks to Luke. Uh, it's been great being with you guys today, talking Masters and the National Championship. It's crazy how quickly we move on. That was only a week ago. Uh, but congrats to Baylor for, uh, for getting the win. I was happy for Scott Drew. Uh, now yep. we shift our attention to the NFL draft. So we'll start talking about that, uh, kind of the NFL offseason. 
uh, these next couple of weeks as well. The NBA playoffs heating up. My fantasy playoffs for the NBA are heating up as well. I'm in second place. Had a tough week, though, some injuries. But uh, but anyway, we'll be back next Monday. Uh, we'll also keep an eye out for the, uh, the Unpacking It podcast, some other interviews throughout the week. Uh, hopefully we'll load up with that. Uh, but for Henry and Luke, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Sign up for the next virtual trivia night. That's coming up on April 22nd. Go to unpackingit.com. Also sign up for Unpack This on unpackingit.com as well. You'll receive that devotional in your email inbox. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.